You are listening to The Gateway Church, located in Ferrisburg, Michigan. You can learn more about us by visiting thegateway.church or like and follow us on Facebook, where you can watch full services, keep up with all that is going on, and get connected. I mentioned the value of generosity. One of the other values we have at The Gateway Church is God's Word. Keeping it as the standard, keeping it in front of us, and really, week in and week out, we develop messages uh, that we believe the Lord is leading us straight out of God's Word, and that's really an important priority for us. And over the next few weeks, we are kind of on a descent uh, to finish the Gospel of Mark that we started in 2020, and uh, we've got three chapters left, 14, 15, and 16, and uh, in a few weeks ago, I was looking ahead and uh, doing some pre-study, kind of working my way, looking at uh, services uh, headed to Easter, which by the way, Easter is only a few weeks away. Um, and I was sidetracked by a story that I kind of took a deep dive in on a few weeks back. And as I was laying out these messages, I, I said, man, we've really got to focus on this, uh, this story, this, this character in God's word. And, uh, and it was a story, the story of Judas. And it gripped me, this story of betrayal. And then when I laid it out, I didn't realize that it was, I was on the same week that we're celebrating. And so it's like celebration and betrayal. How does that make sense? And I really wrestled with it this week. I'm saying, is this God's, God's word for this week? And I do believe. But when I think Think about betrayal. I don't know where your mind goes. I go, my mind goes to like military, espionage, you know, the secret war, you know, behind uh, enemy lines. And, uh, and, and certainly I can think of that. Uh, others of you, when you think of betrayal, you might think of a marriage that's fallen apart or there might be an affair or cheating or a double life. Uh, but for my family, when I thought of betrayal this last week and I was, I was preparing, I thought of of the TV show Survivor. How many of you have ever seen Survivor? All right, any Survivor fan? Okay, I'm not alone. Now, I know some of you, you're shaming me already, um, but we, in with, because of COVID-19, we spent a lot of time watching season after season. I'm not going to tell you how many. It's a little embarrassing, but, uh, but Survivor is a story or a, uh, a reality show where people lie and backstab and they tell secrets, and then they're voting, then there's sabotage, and all of that provides an opportunity for me to be with my wife, Jessica, on the couch. <laughs> and, uh, and we've enjoyed it, I'm not going to lie, but uh, I do blame COVID-19 because Dave Ramsey says, you know I'm a Dave Ramsey fan, he, I, you might have heard this, he says, look, people that make it uh, and are successful in life don't know who got voted off the island, and he would say that. And then I started watching Survivor, and I said, there's got to be an exception for COVID-19. And so that's, that's my story. I'm sticking with it. But that's betrayal, right? So this story of betrayal. Well, well today is not a, a betrayal. It's not a game or jo any joke. We're going to look at a real story of betrayal with a real message, with real application for every single one of us. And it's a message that I believe needs to be spoken in this season and even 
even at a 20-year celebration, I think there is impact and there's, we're going to mobilize ourselves with the Word. And there are massive implications to this message in regards to the world that we're living in, in the end times, and certainly that is the case. Let's get to it. In God's Word, Mark, chapter Mark, chapter Mark, chapter the Gospel of Mark, chapter 14. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Are you with me? <laughs> We've already studied Jesus being anointed, right? Mary comes in, breaks the alabaster jar, pours it over Jesus. And right after that, in verse 10, we'll pick up the story there. It says, then Judas Iscariot... One of the 12, that's a key little phrase we'll talk about a little later, went to the chief priests in order to betray him, that's Jesus, to them. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money. So he sought an opportunity to betray him. That's Judas. Then, of course, you fast forward last week, uh, we talked about the Passover and the first communion, or a couple weeks ago, I said, should say. And then during that time, right at the feet of Jesus, verse 17, it says, and it was even, evening, and they came with the 12. And as they were reclining at the table and eating, Jesus said this. He says, truly I say to you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. And the disciples began to be sorrowful and to say to one another, Is it I? And he said to them, It is the one of the twelve, one who is dipping bread into the dish with me. For the Son of Man goes as it is written of him. But woe is the man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would be better, had been better for that man if he would have never been born. And then you move from the, the Passover first communion story to what we talked about last week where Jesus takes his disciples to the Garden of Gethsemane and he's preaching. Or no, he's not preaching. What Man, my mind is all messed up. He's praying <laughs> and, and he's praying, God, it's not, it's not my will, but your will be done. And at the end of it, that little scene, we said it last week, he says, it's enough. He says, the time has come. And we pick it up there, verse 43. It says, and immediately... While he was still speaking, Judas came, one of the twelve. Again, we see that term. And with him, the crowd of, with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. Now the betrayer, that's Judas, had given them a sign saying, The one I kiss is the man. Seize him and lead him away under guard. And when he came, he went up to him and, and announced or at once and said, Rabbi. And he kissed him. And they laid hands on him and seized him. But one of those stood by, drew a sword, and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. And Jesus said to them, Have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to capture me? Day after day I was with you in the temple teaching, and you did not seize me, but let the scriptures be fulfilled. And they all fled. They all left him and fled. Father, I pray that these this story would come alive this morning, that the foolishness of preaching will pierce even the hardest heart here. Lord, I pray that you would do a supernatural work in us. In Jesus' name, amen. 
As I've studied this, and I've actually I've commissioned, I think I've read every single verse, every story, every paragraph that included Judas and the betrayal, or talking about it before and after. As I did that, there was something that emerged as I started to understand and to dissect the story of Judas. There was a phrase that came to me that I wanted to talk about this morning. The phrase is simply this, close but not close. Everybody say that with me, close but not close. And as we think about that, we're going to get our mind around Judas and his story. Certainly Judas is a, an example for us. He's a negative example, but Judas started off on the ground level, the foundation of the New Testament church. It says in Mark 14, verse 10, that he was one of the 12. That is a high esteemed place out of all humanity of all time to be one of the 12 chosen to walk with Jesus. And that means that he saw Jesus do miracles and heal the sick. And he saw Jesus teach and feed the 5,000. He saw Jesus raise people from the dead. As you read through the book of Mark, you see there's this incredible story of Jesus unfolded. And that's what we read in the Gospels. But think about behind the scenes, all of the things that Jesus would have done, walking and talking and eating with Jesus for three years. Judas was a part of that. Judas would sleep under the stars with Jesus. Can you even imagine? Plus, Judas would have been able to be uh, empowered by Jesus. It says that the disciples not only were following Jesus, they were doing miracles, they were doing teaching, and there's no reason to believe that Judas wasn't part of those things. Church, Judas was close to Jesus. He was close. And in the betrayal story, there's two dinners we've looked at in the last few weeks. The first dinner is where Mary Magdalene not Mary Magdalene, just Mary, uh, came and, uh, and anointed Jesus. And, and it was probably Jesus, Judas, Lord help me. I'm like messing up every phrase. I can do it. Thanks, Logan. <laughs> My son is saying, you can do it, Dad. Yeah. Anyway, it was probably Judas was the, probably the one that said, what a waste here in that story. And then you look at the second dinner party at the Passover. Judas was close to Jesus. And not only was he there at the Passover, that last supper, that last meal, but he, according, when you meld the four gospel stories together, Judas was sitting at the left hand of Jesus. In fact, Judas was so close that when Jesus announces that there's someone to betray, none of them looked at Judas and said, yeah, it was, it's Judas, right? And no, not that. Every single one of them were like, is it me? Is it me? Is it I? And it seemed like only Jesus knew what was really happening. And apparently, Judas was respected and trusted as the money keeper, the treasurer, and even when he left the Passover meal, the disciples thought that he was just taking care of business. They did not think that Judas was the one. And I, the question is, how was everyone duped? The reason is because Judas was close, but he was not close. He was close, but not close. And before I get too far into the message, I want to just bring a, an application moment for us. 
There are some that are here today, right here in our midst, those that are watching online that are close but not close as well. You come to church, we come to church, we tune in, we get online, and we celebrate 20 years. We pull the party popper, right, and we're having a good time. You might come because you like the music or you like to hang out or maybe it's just something to do. We've been um, having uh, a blast being with your students in youth group, uh, Jessica and I, and uh, we've had a visitor the last two Wednesday nights, and they, when she came back this week, I was like, hey, two weeks in a row awesome. Gave her a high five. And, uh, and, and she's like, yeah, there's nothing else to do. And I'm like, okay, well, fair enough, right? It's okay, right? There's nothing else to do, but you're here and God's moving. But maybe you're like that. You're saying, hey, it's something to do. Or maybe you like the environment for your kids. Or maybe you like the, even the, to feel and to, to sense the presence of God. It feels pretty good, doesn't it, right? But when God begins to move, you're close, but not close in the sense that there's no submission. There's no response. There's no participation. It's like you're on the sideline. You don't get into the game. And instead of worshiping, you become a watcher and you look around. Instead of, instead of being intimate in the presence of God, you're assessing and you create some commentary or you become a commentator. There's no action taken to change. And when things get real, maybe at the end of a service, you're like, I'm out. I'm out of here. You're close, but you're not close. And the truth is, and I want you to hear this loud and clear, you and I can surround ourselves with, with spiritual things and not be close. You can be in the presence of God even this morning, but not have the presence of God working inside of you. That is scary, to have no work of God inside of us. Let's go back to the story of Judas. When you start studying this, there's so many questions that come to mind. And, and you know, there's more questions that we could answer that, than we can answer in our time. And even there are questions that, you know, we may not, never know the answers to. But I made a list here. Why did Jesus allow it to, for Jesus or for Judas to betray Jesus in the betrayal? Or who was dumb enough to betray Jesus? Seriously, have you ever thought of that? Like, how did Judas, you know, feel like he could do that? Or why didn't Judas see the truth? And the, actually, the truth there is that many people didn't see it. Judas was one of the 12 that didn't see. Or was Ju Judas just a pawn in this chess game, this story that was unfolding? Was he a robot or some casualty to his predetermined life, and I don't believe that for a second. Or why did Jesus allow Judas to get so close? Or should we feel bad for Judas? Or can I put myself in the story? Am I a Judas? There's lots of story, or lots of questions we could ask, but ultimately, the question that I want to hone in this morning is simply, why did Judas betray Jesus? Again, after reading all the accounts, it's not easy to answer, it's, and it's actually hard to explain. In many ways, it doesn't add up, and we won't understand until eternity the full magnitude. But we must understand that just because Judas was close, it did not mean that Judas was on Jesus' team. That's the truth. Why did Judas betray Jesus? The answer is this. Judas 
did not believe in Jesus. Just let that set in for a second. Judas had his own agenda, his own preconceived ideas. Judas was looking for a Messiah like so many others were in that day and age. They were looking for a deliverer, a military man, someone that would, it, that, that explains why they brought clubs and swords to the, to, the, uh, to the garden. And it could be that Judas was hoping that Jesus would take control and be the conquering king and take over. But Judas wanted a Messiah that would, re, re, would lead a revolt. Instead, Jesus came the first time as the suffering servant servant. That's what we've seen in the book of Mark. Now, we do know that when Jesus returns, we believe he'll come as the conquering king. Can I get an amen to that? Absolutely. And because Jesus did not fit Judas's mindset, Judas never put his trust in Jesus. Say, well, how do you know that? Well, in John's gospel, early on in the ministry, after Jesus has fed the 5,000, he's walked on water, and then he's teaching, and he begins to teach about, hey, you got to eat my body, you got to drink my blood. Uh, uh, as after that discourse in John chapter 6, it says in verse 64, it says, but there were some of you who do not believe. And he's talking to his disciples. And he says, for Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. That describes a situation close, but not close. In the next couple verses, verse 70 and 71, it says, Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you, the twelve? Yet one of you is a devil. He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. Judas did not believe in Jesus. At first, when he was called, he started to follow Jesus. All things were good. There's miracles and crowds and adventure. But when Jesus started talking about sacrifice, started talking about his blood, that, that someone was going to die, that he's talking about a crucifixion, all of a sudden, Judas is not sure if he is all in. And you've got to understand that there was a spiritual battle going on here for sure. In Luke chapter 22 and in John chapter 13, in those accounts of Judas, it, it, it says that Satan had filled the mind of Judas. What happened to Judas? I believe that Judas, his mind was blinded. Look what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. It says, in their case, the God of the world has blinded the mind of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. I believe that Judas's mind was blinded. Satan had entered into Judas early on, resulting in unbelief and resulting in what we're calling this morning, this situation, close but not close. And the question I have for us this morning is not what happened to Judas and what did he believe, because we understand that he did not believe, but let's point the finger at ourselves and ask the question, what do we believe? What do you believe about Jesus? What do you make up in your mind 
about Jesus. And then even more important, perhaps, uh, for those that are believers here, is what do those around you, people you rub shoulders with at work or in your neighborhood or family members or classmates, what do they believe? We talk about reaching one more on the lakeshore. That's part of one of our mantras as a church, and that's one of the core reasons we exist. And that's why I really thought that, okay, betrayal, celebration service, we can meld these together for this very reason that we are called to be concerned about how others believe about Jesus. How do you or how do they view Jesus's life and his story? And how does it affect their life or how does it affect your life day to day? And it's interesting to me that in every interaction with Judas and Jesus, Judas never calls Jesus Lord and Savior. He always calls him rabbi, teacher. He looked at him as just a man, while the other disciples in other cases would call Jesus Lord, inappropriately so. And part of me, I wonder, and I don't know if you've ever wondered, but did did Judas know that he was lost? Did he feel justified? He probably did. But you got to know that unbelief, like Judas had, is straight from the pit of hell. And if there's unbelief here, or if you're watching online, or you think about the people in your life that just, they're like, well, I, I just don't believe. There is the power of darkness working in those situations. And it's crazy that you can think that you can be around the truth and never respond. That's what Judas did for sure. When you do not believe in Jesus, you often will feel far away from Jesus. And so my question is, what do you believe? Where is your belief today? What do you believe about Jesus? And not only what do you believe, what are those around you this week that you're going to see what do they believe about Jesus? Close, but not close. There's one more question that kind of gripped me this week. When it comes to Judas, it's hard for me to imagine why would Jesus have allowed Judas to be around for so long? Why did Jesus not take Judas out of the equation? We see Jesus with his disciples, including Judas. We see him even giving responsibilities to Judas. And it's quite possible that Judas was used in miracles, in teaching, in other, other ways. And we see Jesus having dinner with his disciples, with Judas, which is a sign of friendship and love. And then in the, that final Passover meal, uh, when you meld the four Gospels together, we understand that that is when Jesus washes his disciples' feet, he would have washed Judas's feet, and we see Jesus serving. Now, if I was Jesus, I'm thinking, let's get the betrayer out of here. Let's get the rat out, right? And, and I'm thinking, you know, uh, Judas does not have a right to be here. At that final supper, Jesus is giving insider information uh, for the future. He's talking about what, what, what's going to happen. And I'm thinking, you know, like if he was playing the game Survivor, you don't just share your secrets when the betrayer is there with you. You get off into the woods I'm on your own. And unless someone's in a spy shack, right, listening in, you just... 
you're not going to share those intimate details. But we're not God. We're not Jesus. And in this story, we're not the Savior. And apparently, Jesus was okay with having Judas close. There's something that hit me this week in light of this story, in light of that, that that's exactly what Jesus does with us as well. Jesus comes close to us. Think about it. No matter what, Jesus comes close. He pursues us relentlessly. When we mess up, when we push him away, right when we make things really awkward, what does Jesus do? He comes in close. And see, you might feel like you're far away. Maybe, maybe you, you've served God at one point, but you're a distant to this morning. Maybe you did honor God with your life at one point. Or maybe you really did want God to work in your life, but today you're feeling distant and you're feeling uncomfortable. Well, the truth is, Jesus is not distant. He's right here. And his grace is here. And the truth is that Jesus comes uncomfortably close. His love, his grace, his plan. He is always in control. Just like with Judas. Some people look at Judas' story and say, oh, Judas was pulling the strings and led Jesus to the cross. Well, that is just not true. Jesus was in control all along. Look what it says in John chapter 10. uh, This is insight from Jesus, him talking. He says, I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down. I have authority to take it up again. Jesus was in control. Can I get an amen? And this morning, he's in control. And I want to encourage us to take the opportunity to let Jesus come close. To let Jesus push our buttons. To let him change us. He wants to do that. His love and his grace is for you. And again, it's always been his plan. You are not here by accident. Judas was never ousted by Jesus. And I ask the question, why? Why did Jesus not kick him out? I believe Jesus wanted to give Judas every opportunity to turn from his sin, to put his faith in Jesus. Don't be Judas. Don't be full of unbelief, and then which led to betrayal. There's one last verse I want to look at. It's a sobering verse. Mark chapter 14, 21. I talked about it earlier. We read it earlier. It says, but woe to the man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. How did Jesus, uh, how was he betrayed? Judas betrayed him with unbelief and then turned his back on Jesus. It says, it would have been better for that man if he had never been born. That is the truth. If you are here this morning and you've never put your faith, your trust in Jesus, and let's say you live your life with unbelief, you don't buy it, you don't put your faith in Christ, 
the same thing can be said for you. That it would have been better if you were never born. Think about your friends, your family, your coworkers, your schoolmates, right? Those that you rub shoulders with. Those that say, ah, I'm not sure if I believe. I, I don't, that's good for you. You can believe. You can go to church. You can be whatever. But for me, I just don't buy it. It would have been better for your coworker, your family member, to never have been born. And I love the fact that Jesus is not just flippant. We serve a God that cares. And in the story here, we can see that if we drift, if we lose our way, it's not like Jesus says, oh, well, we win some, we lose some. No. He consistently comes after us. He's close. He comes close. And the application for us this morning is not only is Jesus close, but the encouragement is to put our faith to believe in him. I'm going to ask the worship team to come and to help me as we close this morning. There's two angles that really have been passionate in my heart this week thinking about this morning. The first angle is that idea that, that we have to really address what do we believe about Jesus personally? Where are you today? And if you're here and you don't believe in Jesus, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, or maybe you've walked away from him or you feel distant, listen, he's right there. You can turn to him and he wants to save you. And I want to just lead us in a prayer, a salvation prayer. It's not the words of this prayer that will save you. It's your heart. It's what you believe in your heart. And so as I pray this, this can be your prayer. Let's address that together as I pray. Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong, for the sin in my life. Jesus, I'm sorry that I've not put my faith in you. But this morning, I'm encouraged by your story to put my faith in you to come back to you to put my trust in you and Jesus I do that humbly and Lord knowing that you are, have been pursuing me Lord Jesus I believe that you died on the cross for my sins that you were buried but then you rose from the grave and today I want to step into that story and see the change in my life. Jesus, I pray this in your name. Amen. If you're here this morning, listen to me. Or if you're on, online, we want you to make yourself known. Down the, uh, right in front of you, there's a QR code. You can use that. Let us know that you accepted Jesus. You can let us know at the Connection Center, and we've got some tools back there that we can empower you with, and we want to walk with you. You are not alone. We want to come alongside you. If you can tell somebody, a friend, a, a neighbor, a family member this morning if you've accepted Jesus, or if you're watching online, pick up the phone and let somebody know it's that important. 
But on our 20th anniversary, I want us to wrestle with that, the, the second part of this story, of this message, I should say. The massive implications for the times that we're living in. There are people that are close, but not close. They surround themselves with spiritual things, but they don't know Jesus. If they don't believe in Jesus, it would be better that they would have never been born. Just let that sink in. And I imagine that there's probably all of us that can think of somebody in our lives that needs to hear that truth. And not that we chew by four of them, you know, hit them over the head with it, but lovingly this week. Could it be that God uses us in this next season to see our prodigals come back, to see our neighbors engaged in believing? Could it be that there would be revival in the land, in West Michigan, that would ripple to the ends of the earth? I see it, church. And it starts with us embracing that truth and doing something about it. I'm going to ask that you would stand, and I'm going to ask that you put your hand on your heart. This next or this last song that we're going to sing is called Graves into Gardens. And it's a really a story of God doing a great work, taking dead things and bringing them back to life. And if you're a believer today, you're going to sing this song and you're going to say, yes, that's my story. But I want us to not only revel in our own story, but I want us to think about those that are close but not close. I want you to think about those that you're going to rub shoulders with this week. And as you put your hand on your heart, I want you to ask Jesus to allow you to have an opportunity to share this great story that Jesus came to earth, lived a perfect life, and died for us so we could know him, so he could change us. Father, I pray right now that you would do something inside our hearts, my heart, that would make a difference tangibly this week. And Jesus, I thank you for the miracle, the supernatural work of salvation that we're about to sing. But Lord, this is not just for us. This is for this community and to the ends of the earth. Lord, we pray this. Jesus' name. Amen. Let's just worship the Lord this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Jesus, we thank you that no one is better, no one is greater, no one is mightier, no one is more good, more faithful to their word than you. And so we surrender all that we have, all that we are that all of us in one way or another has betrayed you, that we've gone against our word, that we have sinned against you, Lord, and time and time again, you draw close to us time and time again. You have forgiven us. Time and time again, you've taken our brokenness and you made us whole. You took our ashes and you turned it to beauty, Lord. Lord, and we just lean into you in this time. We give you everything. We give you all that we are, our whole lives, not just on Sunday morning, but Monday through Saturday as well to use us 
Lord, you gave everything for us. Lord, you laid your glory aside and you took the form of a man. And not only that, but you died the death that we all deserve. Lord, that it is by your wounds that we are healed, and, and we just thank you for that. We lean into you for that. Lord, we give you all the glory. We pray that we would be leaving this place as missionaries today, that you are sending us as people who were lost and broken and made whole into a lost and broken world needing healing, that you will use us, that you will empower us, and that you are sending us to be kingdom people. Lord, and as we go, we pray that you would go behind us, that you would be before us, and that you would be around us every single step of the way. God, we give you all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor, and all God's people together said, amen. 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 Thank you for joining us for service today. I'll put your masks on and go in the grace of God. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegateway.church.